live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Ninety minutes away, ninety minutes away from Golden Knights and Wild uh, down here at the William Hill Book. One ten both ways. Uh, just to pick up on what I was talking about just a couple minutes ago, Dodger starter tonight. Bauer pushed back, so David Price will get a start. Maybe he's ready. We'll see. He's been back for one game. He threw one inning the other night, so he's going to start. I'm sure he's not going to go very long, but it's uh, Merrill Kelly against Price. Dodgers favored at minus 200. Von Tobel's here. It's Cofield. Angels hanging out as well. Silver 7's great spot to watch the hockey game tonight. 77-cent beers on the Bud Lights. Awesome spot. Two different bars. Crowd's building. You know, good vibe down here for hockey, and these uh, – the TV's down here are outstanding, so come on down. Enjoy the 77-cent beers as the uh, nights go at 6.30. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Man, Kwame Brown is a gift that keeps on giving. This Instagram Live thing, man, he's loving it. He gets in that car and let's go. It's a truck, dude. It's a, yeah, I did an interview from my car earlier today. I was not comfortable, so I don't know how Kwame Brown is – like feels comfortable broadcasting to the world. One of them, he was driving. Yeah, he's calm. He's a good driver. Yeah. Well, I think he's got the he's got the car adjusted, you know, for six eleven frame. He yeah. does look comfortable. He does. I just don't know. I wouldn't be able to like drive like he was driving and maintaining eye contact with the camera. That's dangerous. We want you home and safe, Kwame. You care about him. Yeah. Does Matt Barnes care about him? Matt Barnes finally answered after delaying. I think he really had to think about what he wanted to say, but uh, well, he came out throwing. Uh, Kwame Brown didn't scare him. I, I thought it was pretty intimidating. You know, Matt Barnes is a big guy. kind of comes off as crazy at times. Kwame Brown's like, all right, dude, you're messing with the wrong person. Seriously. There's some legendary Kwame Brown fight stories out there. But, yeah, here's Matt Barnes trying to answer and I guess be respectful and maybe, like, help Kwame. But the way it starts, I'm not sure this is the best way. I heard your Instagram following has grown over 30,000 the last handful of days since you had my, I mean, my name in your mouth. I mean, that's that's not so tough. That's not so extending tough. the olive branch. Referencing your D. Bad start, man. Of course. I, I don't think this is the path you want to go down. Keep going, Matt Barnes. Um, but don't be fooled by this new attention, bro. All these people that are gassing you and putting a battery in your back, all the platforms that are picking you up, didn't give a f- about you last week, bro. They don't love you. They just love the drama and the old, the old jokes you're saying. They don't love you. They don't love me. They don't love no one. They love a drama. Okay, is he right there? They love the drama. So I, when I saw this originally, like yesterday, I actually was like two. I, I had two takeaways. One, I've never heard the phrase "those who put the battery in your back." I like that. That is pretty good. Are you going to use that? Yes, I'm going to use that from now on. When you're driving and looking at the phone and looking at the road, well, and ripping this, out good lines like that. This opens up a whole new can of worms. I have thought that I have criminally undervalued the IG live, and maybe I should do it a little bit more often, or the Twitter live. Um, but also, yeah, he's, he's right. Like nobody cares. Like theoretically, nobody cares about Kwame Brown. Kwame, they care about what's happening at this point right now. They don't care about Matt Barnes either. I haven't thought about Matt Barnes at all. Until, like, the last few days. So we heard about <laughs> right. Gloria Govan and Derek Fisher all over again. Yeah, that's very true. One of the first responses to this video was, why is Matt Barnes talking about somebody's D in somebody's mouth when... Let's be careful. <sighs> yeah. Let's be careful. I get where you're going. <laughs> now, as this goes along, I think Matt Barnes is going to, share, uh, going to show that he actually does care about Kwame Brown. But well, come on all the smoke. 
Come talk your face to face. You got a story to tell, obviously. You're hurt. Play it off with humor, but you're hurt. Come on the show, man. We'll be in Atlanta next month. Come to you. Me and you got a box before, during, or after. Then shake hands and get this in. You know I'm always with When you're attacking Stephen A. Smith, he's almost 60 years old. He don't want to fight you, but I ain't got no issues. So you could bring your hookah. You could bring that front seat of your car that you're always in, ranting about. Make yourself feel comfortable, whatever you need to feel comfortable. But come on all the smoke and tell your story, Okay. Referencing your hurt. That was condescending. That was good, though. I mean, look. That was pretty good. It was condes- can- and the reference to the big seat. I like it. He, he obviously is comfortable in the big seat. Right. Nobody can deny that Matt Barnes is probably one of the better smack talkers, right, and just guys to get under your skin that we've seen in the oh, NBA. Yeah, yeah. But, like, so there's a couple of things there. One, you laugh at the obvious, like, Come on my podcast. Like, of course you want them on your podcast. Like, of course you want to settle this on your podcast so you can get all the views that he you're He wants to about. go to Seattle and, you know, take up the mutual combat rules. Just fight in the streets. Right. You want to box and do a podcast? Right. And that's the other takeaway here. What did I say three weeks ago? The Paul brothers saved boxing because now all anybody wants to do is just box each other to settle things or do stuff. And if I am one of the Paul brothers and I hear this, I'm calling Matt Barnes immediately. Let's go. Triller Fight Club. I got a card for you. Let's do it. Make some money off it. Right. Why not? You wouldn't watch Matt Barnes versus Kwame Brown? No, I'd rather watch an MMA fight with them. But still, you wouldn't watch him fight? See, that's the madness where you get my money. Floyd and the other Paul brother, eh, not so much. But this, you get Al Bernstein on the fight, getting weed smoke blown in his face, I am in. Is there any shot that Kwame Brown shows up to do this podcast? No. Why would you? If he, he clearly doesn't seem to like Matt Barnes, why in the world would he help his bottom line and show up on the podcast? Number four. Warriors last night lose. There were positives. I mean, as you watch the team, you can see they've developed some good rotation guys. What do you think of Wiggins? I mentioned earlier that he had some good moments late, just not enough good moments throughout. What, see, what is Wiggins? Well, first off, did you see the joke no. about Wiggins? No. There was a possession down the stretch where he hit, like, a really tough, like, fadeaway jumper over LeBron. And it was like, you know, it's really rare in sports where you can play the GM that traded you away. <laughs> That's a good point. Which is pretty good. LeBron got out from under that quick Um, before it ever happened. No, like, look, I think Wiggins is Wiggins is a solid wing player. Like, there's some there's some inconsistencies to his game. Like, he's very much a hot and cold kind of scorer. But there's things to like about him. Are you going to get anywhere if he's your third best player? Probably not. You know what I mean? Like, he's a poor man's Harrison Barnes. Second, it was interesting. Ethan Strauss, who's covered the Warriors for a while said, what if the Warriors don't need additional stars in the future? What if they just need a couple of offensively uh, competent veterans who don't hurt their defense, plus the return of Clay, a little more development from uh, Jordan Poole? You know, that'll give enough space for Steph to work. Imagine what this team could do when Thompson's gravity is back in the fold. Yeah. Says they, they, don't, they might not need any stars beyond what they have. Right. You agree with that? Yeah. Because like, like what I just said, right, Clay Thompson comes back, Andrew Wiggins isn't your third best player anymore, right? An offensive what, – what's the phrase he used? Offensive savvy veteran or whatever that doesn't hurt your defense? Offensively competent veterans right. who don't hurt the D. Right. Like, that could be a player that subjectively is better than Andrew Wiggins. So, yes, I would agree with that sentiment wholeheartedly. You know, Clay Thompson's return changes so much about this team. 
They maintain their defensive intensity. Their offensive floor gets risen like a thousand percent. You can no longer double and blitz Steph Curry off of these screens and everything. Like, yeah, I think Man. it changes a lot. What if they're going to look back on what if? Oh, uh, what if Lamelo was part of the Warriors? Strauss also <laughs> said the complicating factor in all this is James Wiseman. Yeah, mostly because the team took off in his absence. What do you do with him? I think it's they, 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 yeah, that's what he's saying. He's suggesting, wow, that, that would be a quick turnaround, huh? Yeah, they could predict a second-year surge similar to Pools and refuse uh, – Pools, yeah, Pools. George uh, Pools. Yeah, uh, refuse to shop him. Uh, they could also conclude that whatever Wiseman's talents are, he must be traded because he's not exactly a great fit for the Steph-based offense. What do you think? Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up the numbers because I don't want to recite anything that is completely inaccurate. But, like, when Wiseman go, went down – like, something happened with this offense where it completely opened up. And, like, the plus-minus numbers where it's Curry on the floor without Wiseman out there, like, they're outscoring opponents by nearly, like, 10 points every 100 possessions. Like, it's something nutty. You know what I mean? So Why did they draft him? Well, I think the I, I told everyone for a year, get the next great guard to go with those guys, learn from those guys, and then you got even more options to play freaking small ball. Well, it was a need. They're like their center position is still pretty thin, right? So it, I know, it you, you, are you getting him for defense or stretch? Like, what's the element? Well, and I think his uh, and by the way, it's plus nine point five the net rating. Their offensive rating one twenty point five without Wiseman on the floor, and their defense still pretty good at one eleven. So, but no, I, I think when they drafted him, like what Wiseman could have potentially been, right? I think that's what you always do is you draft on potential on what they could be. And Wiseman still has the ability to be more of a little bit of a stretch five, face the basket, like play in that range. That fits a little bit better with Curry, but he hasn't been that. And by all accounts, sometimes the work ethic hasn't even been there either. And so, I mean, it's also what you get when you're drafting a guy who's barely played college basketball and he's, you know, whatever he is now, 20, because I think he was a holdback. Yeah. So I, I think they just, you know, they made a mistake. What do they get for him? That's the other thing. Oh, in, I th- in this, but in this league, is there a big market for seven footers anymore? Seven-footers with his skill set, yeah. Okay. Like, he's not your traditional big, right? Like, he's not like a Clint Capella type. He's got a ceiling offensively that you could kind of get to. Sixers? <laughs> right, the 70 centers. <laughs> <laughs> the old-school 70 centers. Or, I mean, no, like, look. The Lakers, they, they, they like playing big. Like, you know who need, you know who really needs a center? Charlotte. Charlotte really needs depth in their front court. You know, when, when, they're, when you looked at some of the injuries that they suffered down the stretch, like one of the guys that they were really looking at was Onyeka Onkangu, right, who got drafted, I think it was Atlanta if I remember correctly. Correct. Like, and he's not the defensive piece that I think Charlotte could use, but they still need, like, a center, and he fits their timeline too, right? Like, think about all the young players they have. Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, LaMelo Ball, Devontae Graham. Like, so many of their core is young that you could, you could get a James Wiseman for, like, a first-round pick, and he would kind of fit with their timeline and their mold. I'll give you Devontae Graham for Wiseman. How about Graham on that team, on the Warriors? Dude, I, that would be great. <laughs> He's like 5'11", and if you give him a chance, he'll shoot 22 threes a game. Yep. He, I mean, that, that'd be awesome. He would be. He would fit so perfectly with Golden State. It'd be ridiculous. Number three. Uh, one more point on the Warriors, because one of the focal points last night was Draymond Green. His defense, he made some bad mistakes down the stretch with a couple of offensive fouls. It may have been ticky-tack, but you put yourself in a position by being a horse's ass with the officials all the time and yelling at them. The jab to the face, and yes, it was a borderline flagrant foul. His hands, he, he did, his hands did not go up straight when uh, Van Gundy said it, and then the freaking you know officiating insider, Javi, said it. Like, come on. You can see it immediately on the next replay. He's on an angle. He jabbed him in the eye. It's a stupid foul. He didn't have to do it. I guess you could argue, hey, 
He stopped LeBron, uh, and LeBron only hit one of the free throws, so it worked. What do you think of Draymond last night? Because Dame, straight up. You're showing me a picture. Are Draymond's hands straight straight up in the air? Straight up. I mean, (laughs) it's so dumb. They're like a 45-degree angle. What do you think of Draymond, and why do we believe that uh, Dame Lillard called him a mother blanker? Uh, So, first off, I would like you to officially refer to Draymond as Defensive Player of the Year finalist Draymond Green, because finalists were announced about 20 minutes ago. Draymond Green, one of the top three players for Defensive Player of the Year this year. Um, Big big flex by you. (laughs) No, look. He's your guy. Well, I just I, he's my guy in our like during this show because you just don't want to give him any credit for what he does on the defensive end. And yesterday, he objectively had a fantastic defensive game. I like the the mischaracterization of that. You don't give him any credit for what he does. I, I give him credit. No, no, you don't. No, you don't get to Stop. walk this back. The other day, he's we were good, talking about the We Believe. He's a good defensive player. No, 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 no. No, you don't get to get away with this. The other day, we were talking about the We Believe Warriors, and you're like, we? Really, Draymond? Yeah, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. You didn't do much. And I was like, wait, what are we doing? Keep going. <laughs> so, anyway. You guys get so emotional. You with Dr. Dre and Adam Hill with Robin Leonard. I can't even talk about Leonard anymore. It's ridiculous. We're entering the Draymond Green territory there. Oh. Wait, just don't disrespect our boys. I, I get don't it. I get it. You have passion for it. Believe me, I have my guys as well. So, so uh, he's up for uh, Defensive Player of the Year. He was very good last night. He was. And, and the assignment's tough. I, I I give the guy credit. When you go against big teams and he's got to be the guy, you know, he's, he's going against freaking behemoths. Well, and look, and he deserves I, – I feel like I'm pretty consistent with this. He does deserve criticism for the way he acts, right? right? Like, I thought the technical foul he got yesterday at the beginning of the game was absolute garbage, especially when you hear Frank Vogel, like, after every play, just screaming at the top of his lungs at the officials, but – it's his fault that he draws texts like that because of his past shenanigans. So I can totally understand something like that. But when you just watch him play defense, right, when he can play the guard and the role man perfectly and force a turnover, there was like a three-possession stretch in that second in that second half where it was like, or excuse me, in the first half, where it was like pick and roll, Draymond deflection, turnover. Pick and roll, Draymond deflection, turnover. You know what I mean? Deflection, and then, you know, the Lakers would recover. He played them really well. They tried to ISO Anthony Davis in the first half on him a couple of times. All of them ended in missed shots. So he's a really good defensive player. He doesn't offer much offensively, especially now lately. That's totally understandable, but I've always been adamant. If you say that he's not good defensively or doesn't offer anything, then you just don't watch him because he was really good defensively last night. He's one of the better defense players in the league. And you think the MF comment was simply from Lillard was simply because of the, the ferocity of the foul? Yeah, I think and, the, so. and, and the outcome. I mean, it could be the positive one, right? Like he's just like yeah, yeah. like a real, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. a tough guy to play against. You know, you don't really know in context with Twitter. That's why I think when I sent it to you, I was like, I don't know if it's a good mf'er or a bad mf'er, but either way, he's an mf'er. Number two. I know you were uh, ranting about what the Lakers did down the stretch when they finally got Drummond off the floor and AD was the center, dude. So. These are, you know, I am. I'm a stat nerd, but there's a lot of stuff that I think really paints a picture of what you're kind of talking about here, right? So if you go in the first half of that game, Steve, where you're watching Andre Drummond out there at center, you know, when he would come off of the floor, they'd replace him with Montrez Harrell. Those lineups just weren't effective. And in the first half, the Los Angeles Lakers, they averaged 0.857 points per possession. LeBron had six points. He was 1-7 from the floor. How about this? Anthony Davis, when either Montrez Harrell or Andre Drummond were on the floor, 1 of 11. When both of them were off the floor and he was the center, 9 of 13. 
Like, there's just such a difference when he plays center, when he's able to roll to the basket when he wants to, right? LeBron James and Anthony Davis pick and rolls are really, really deadly. And when you don't have big, fat Andre Drummond in the middle of the paint clocking it up, you know what you started seeing? Alex Caruso cuts to the basket. You know what I mean? Kyle Kuzma cuts to the basket. There was one play where it's all five out, and you see LeBron literally just go like this to Kuzma, perfect pocket pass to him, and it's a layup. Like, those are the kind of things you can do when you're playing with Anthony Davis at the five. But, like, Davis just doesn't want to do it. Vogel doesn't really force him to do it. And it leads to 13 half def- or 13-point half deficits when you're going into the second half. I don't want to base it just on last night's game, but uh, should Caruso be out there more often than Schroeder? He was much better defensively. He was. Schroeder was getting freaking destroyed. And, you know, I mean, I'm not saying Caruso was shut. No one was going to shut down Steph. But that freaking pick of Steph inside of three minutes was massive. Because yep. it – the the between Draymond's offensive fouls, Steph missing a couple of bunnies, uh, and that play where he you know Steph was crossing over everyone. I mean, he right wing he freaking crushed Schroeder on a couple of crossovers, and he tried to do it to Caruso. Caruso's like yep, left hand steal. Yeah, you know, that wasn't a steal off off his leg out of bounds. Does is he going to get more time? in certain situations for defense. I think he should. And I don't even – I would say on both ends of the floor. Because if you think about, like, Schroeder in terms of his role, and it's not like he's a perfect offensive player. I like, I like the ability of Schroeder to get downhill and finish. I'm not so sure that Caruso is a good, good a finisher. And let's keep in mind, Caruso also had a wide-open three in the corner that was set up for him, oh, of course. and he almost threw it behind the backboard. But Well, that's – actually, I wanted to be like, where's the Paul George-type gifts of him just hitting the side of the backboard? But then he immediately went down, and then he forced a turnover, and you're like – Damn, like I can't say anything bad about this guy. But, no, I just mean in the sense of, like, if I am running lineups, I think I'd rather have LeBron James and Alex Caruso together than LeBron James and Dennis Schroeder together, right? Like, I thought when I wrote the uh, the preseason guide for VEASAN this year, I thought Schroeder would have been a bench guy. I thought he would have been a perfect bench guy because you can keep Alex Caruso in the starting lineup and actually have him play off ball with LeBron and fit perfectly. He can be a cutter. He can be a guy who finds open space, all those kind of things. And Schroeder can be the guy who commands the second unit, your ball handler, your attacker downhill, all that kind of stuff. I just don't know if Schroeder and LeBron really gel together when they're on the floor. Not necessarily that Caruso is a better offensive player. You know what I mean? Number one. LeBron James, dare I say it, clutch, um, yes. poked eye, said he was seeing three rims, shot clock going out, 58 seconds left, beautiful three, makes it. Steph Curry played defense by walking by him and saying something and tapping him on the chest. Massive moment. Massive moment. You know, when you think about it, what this guy has done in his career, right, and he's got a, he's got a ton of clutch moments, uh, what he's done in his career the kind of money he's made for other players, like Tristan Thompson, right? It's amazing. You know who else he's made careers for? Stephen A and Skip. Oh, yeah. Because they get to come in on mornings, and they're like, this guy is the most, I'm not going to say divisive, but polarizing athlete we have. People went nuts last night with the negativity. He gets poked in the face. He's down. Looks like his eyes jacked up. People are like, he's crying. He's out. He's, he's acting. Like, all right, and then these guys come in today, and I guess Stephen A. had to give him credit, right? He, what did Stephen A. say this morning? Fire it. It was luck. Um, you know what? That wasn't Steph Curry shooting. That wasn't Damian Lillard shooting. That was LeBron James shooting, and even though he's improved his three-point shooting, that was luck. That was a Hail Mary, but when you're that great, you're entitled to luck for, you know, here and there, and that's what I thought we saw last night. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. 
So. It was luck, but when you're that great, you're entitled to luck. Okay. All right. Is, I mean, I mean that's a, that was the best thing they could come up with this morning. Uh, well, come on, Stephen A. I, Stephen A. is the best. I mean, you're just getting bored of LeBron James' great moments. That one was luck. That was. How about this? Skip Bayless on Twitter last night. Lucky, desperate three by LeBron with the pressure off at the end of the shot clock. He's at his best when there's no drive or launch decision. He can just heave and hope. If he misses, no expectation, no fault. It's an impossible shot. Besides, he was seeing three rims. I used air quotes for the last couple of ones. It's so stupid. But, but it must work because these guys keep getting extensions. Oh, They keep getting – well, some, some of them get ratings. Le- we LeBron James is the best business for Talking Head TV and a, and a lot of what we do. Were we on a show together where I, I can't remember if it was me or you, me and you, or if it was me and Adam Candy when I was, we were filling in one day. Did you hear the rumors about Skip like a couple of months ago? That apparently ESPN reached out to Fox to barter a deal where they could share him. Right. That's incredible. Yeah, they were going to bring him back together. Right. It was going to be him and Stephen A. again. They were going to share him. That's so nuts. But you know, what I, you know what my thing is? You know what I get annoyed about with the Skip thing? I don't actually get annoyed at Skip Bayless. Because you know. Yes. I get mad and annoyed at social media who's like, how does this guy have a job? As they retweet him right. for the six millionth because, time. Because of you. Yes. Because you prop him up. Right. But we, all, we know it's a bit and that he's built this bit over the years on LeBron, and it's never going to be good enough, so just ignore it. Right. It's the, it's, the, it's the meme of the guy shooting the dude in the chair, and he's like, how could they do this? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you're doing it! Like, you're the reason why he has a platform that he does because he can follow, like, such a D-bag. He can follow one person on Twitter and yet have 30, what are we talking about now? Three million followers. And, in fact, he doesn't follow anybody on Twitter. Yeah, he doesn't. Like, oh, my gosh. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but you're, why are you getting mad? Right, but so many people are like, this is terrible. How does this guy have a job? Because of you. you. You're the enabler. You're the enabler. What was the graphic last night during the uh, Rachel Nichols interview? Uh, 97th career game tying or go-ahead field goal in the final minute. Right. I know you analytics guys hate clutch. Uh, That is second most in the last 25 seasons to Kobe, who uh, finished with 101. So, LeBron, game tying or go-ahead field goal. In the final minute, ninety-seven, and then we get we get talking heads on TV saying there was no pressure; it's a free ball. Yeah, well, and I'm not. Don't put us okay. all in put us all in the same category or the same light, Steve. Uh, I believe in, I guess, clutchedness. Um, one, it's a measurable it's a measurable st- uh, statistic. Uh, but two, like, come on, we all know people in our lives who just work better under pressure than others. Like, it's it's a simple fact of life, right? Adam Hill, I would say, is not clutch. I feel like Adam Hill collapses under a certain amount of pressure. You know what I mean? Like when he's on deadline, he's pretty good. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like there's people who sure. handle the pressure and time crunches better than others. So yes, whether you want to call it clutch or having a cool head, there are people who are clutch, and LeBron is clutch. We've seen it multiple times. So shove it if you think he's not. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Rolling on, Silver Sevens. Update from the playing game uh, in the NBA. Uh, second period... I just started. 30-29, Wizards are up. Westbrook with six points so far. Did you see how many people 
in the first playing game were like 24 and a half point total lock over lock for us yeah ooh didn't yeah. happen yeah i mean look i mean that's weird just only because russ isn't necessarily a scorer you know what i mean like well, i, I would really the, feel the assumption was that Beal was going to be down or terrible and he wasn't yeah and well i mean they both were pretty bad it was just that like russ showed up and he was bad russ I just I would never bet an over on a point total with Russ. I shouldn't say never, but I never feel comfortable doing that, right? For Russ, you're betting like rebounds, assists, triple doubles, things like that. I, he's not an efficient scorer, so it wouldn't be a lock that he's going to go over that. It's interesting. Golden Knights action coming up 6.30 on our sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas. That is the home for the hockey experts. So if you want all your hockey stuff, uh, we've got some good hockey people over here as well, but that is our hockey home. So uh, flip it over. If you want to hear the lead into the game, it's a 6.30 puck drop. Uh, we're going to be watching the game down here at Silver 7s. If you're up north in town, you can hit Aliante as uh, Ryan the Hockey Guy is doing his live show up there, pre and uh, intermissions and post. So that's going to be at the Salt of the Lime. So go check out Ryan the Hockey Guy on Fox Sports Radio up north at Aliante. Adam Hill yesterday, we always like to talk about Adam a lot on the show. He's a force. Um, he said 80 Flurry was 80-20 to start. And I looked at him like, wait, there's a 20% chance that Leonard's really? I I would start Mark Andre Flurry. Right. Well, Flurry was the first one off the ice today, so yeah. he's going to start, but I'm not like I wasn't mad that he said it. I was just surprised. I'm like I can't even imagine after the way Flurry's played that DeBoer would be like, hey, he needs a rest or, you know, let's go back to the rotation of sorts. Right. Look, like we had – this was a big topic conversation last year. And, again, yes, about it consistency. Was. Yes, and, it was. And I I'm sure I'm sure a lot of the Leonard people aren't sh- – like, you could have never imagined this happening, that Flurry would play this well this year. Sure. It's but he crazy. is. crazy. Yep. But it also doesn't change the fact that Flurry was be- – or Leonard was better than him last year. Right? Like, the, everything – all of these well, things but, but the, the, the tale, the the, the the tale that was being told was – it's over. Right. That Leonard, it, Leonard's the guy. It's done. That's my. That's the part where you're like, not a lot of people thought that Flurry would fight back to be the goalie again for this team. Yeah. And it could all change next year. Hell, it could change in two games in the playoffs. But I think right now, like, there's – I was very adamantly on the Leonard side last year because statistically he was the better guy. Like, there was no option. There's no question about that. This year, Flurry is the better guy. Statistically, he has had an amazing season. So why in the world would you want to break that up and throw Leonard out there? I still think Leonard's very good, but at this point right now, go with a hot hand, baby. Let's go. Do you like the nickname The Dude? They've been calling him The Dude lately. No. All right. I mean, but it, you know, it's, isn't it taken? That's the thing. Big Lebowski. Well, that was a reference in uh, Dave Shane's story today in the RJ. That was a reference to that nah, movie. I don't like reusing nicknames. Is there a but- word for dude in French? Do you like dude better than flower? No, I like flower better. You do? Well, because that's that's unique to him, right? Okay. Like that's a little bit better. That ties into what he is. Like, I mean, he's also a dude, but yeah, by the numbers, he's been amazing. He's he's so far he stopped sixty three of sixty five shots. That first period in game two was outrageous. Um, hell, the 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 goal he gave Ooh. up in game one was a freaking you know deflection block attempt off of Alec Martinez. All right, get the dump button ready. In French, yeah, we would call him Le Mec, the dude, the guy, okay, the bloke, the bloke. Well, I just that's just one of the synonyms. Oh. Why would we have to dump that? I don't know. 
If you misspoke. But, yeah, like, like I, I can 100% tell you that the word I just said is actually the dude. I'm just assuming Google is correct. On the way back, I want to get to uh, the latest with the A's workings as they, I guess they're going to hit different spots around the country. We had Chris Matthews on from Channel 8, and uh, Chris was real leery about how this whole thing was put together, uh, essentially saying that uh, the A's were coming to town anyway, and it's just convenient now to say they're meeting with local officials about possibly moving here, relocating, and stadium projects. So uh, there's a lot of people who are a little iffy on jumping into this thing uh, for fear that Major League Baseball and the A's are just using Vegas as a negotiating pawn. With 77-cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's, it's Cofield and Company. JBT's here, it's Cofield, Silver 7's. You know, John, I said last week when... Major League Baseball, you know, drop the hammer, drop the bomb on Oakland, get it done, or else the A's are looking. We're looking. A's have freedom. Go out and, you know, look at potential cities. One of the things I said immediately is I do not want to be part of this. Like, I like I like the talk in general, but it's the, the scuzziness and the dishonesty that turns me off. Um, and we had a lot of that with the football stadium deal. You know, the way the money was pushed through was a little bit weird. We're going to benefit from it. It's going to work out. Could we have gotten a better deal? Probably. But NFL's yes. here. It's worked out. Uh, we'll see ultimately, you know, it working out in the fall when people come here and start spending a lot of money and we get that hotel tax revenue going up and up and up and up. The A's in baseball, is going to, it's, going to be, it's going to be real dirty. Especially since I think you have multiple players in this market who might be interested. And then you're competing against other cities. And I think ultimately you may be competing against – the best project, which is in Oakland, they should stay in Oakland. Then we've also got voices in the market in the media where I think anyone who's seriously connected to the Raiders is probably going to have an anti-A's take because the Raiders and the A's didn't get along, you know, which I don't know if I love that, but, hey, whatever. You know where your bread is buttered, so if you got to kiss some ass, you do it. So we've already seen some people come out and they're like, terrible, you know, don't want the A's here, not the same as the Raiders, different kind of project. Wow, you're – Whistling a different tune now, huh? It was very oh, yeah. pro Raiders, and now it's in Santa A's. It's very interesting. Um, the RJ wrote a story today pitching the early, the viability early that the A's wouldn't get killed financially if they moved here and simply played at LV Ballpark, which seems like insanity. But, you know, it's funny. It's, it's really not because the A's numbers are so bad that coming to LV Ballpark and drawing like 10,000, with higher price tickets. Higher price tickets. That they would make out just fine. Ron Kantowski was crunching the numbers. Going back to 2019, A's were in the bottom third, attendance-wise. They only averaged 20000 a game. You've got COVID restrictions right now. You know, they can get 12-2 in that stadium under COVID rules. The A's are averaging 5,500. That's how bad it's gotten. Right. They're not even getting half the crowd that that is allowed. Their average ticket price is $24 for Major League Baseball. It's one of the lowest, right? Yeah. Yes. But The Aviators' median admission price is 60 bucks. 60 bucks. 
So it's like right there. Yeah. Now that's not that's not a good prospect for a major league team to come and freaking get, you know, an average. I think it would be higher, you know, an average of seventy bucks a ticket for ten thousand seats. But it's so bad in Oakland right now that I suppose they could swing it unless someone's going to have some brand spanking new stadium done in like two years in another market. But I mean, the the, the, uh, the more as this has gone on, the more I have trouble connecting like one piece, and it's. What happens to the Aviators ballpark? Right? Like, that's the temporary home. The A's get a new yeah. one. Yep. Say it's the Rio. So we've got this new baseball stadium. That, that was partially publicly funded. Right. To the tune of $75 million. For, $150 million baseball stadium. And it's viable for, like, five years. Yeah. And what are we going to use it for? Like, high school state tournaments now? Like, that's about it? Maybe the Hustle and Rebels going to go? Oh, but, no, Early Wilson is renovated, too. So, like, what are you going to do? You know, the funny thing is there are other cities in the same situation, not like not with, like, a two- or three-year-old stadium, but that just built their stadium, like, five years ago. Right. So, And, like, that's a nice, nice stadium for a minor league park. Like, that's a really cool place to be. And for that to just be, like you said, non-viable within five years of building it and contributing to it, like, that, that doesn't make much monetary sense. Are you going to enjoy the game playing? All the... Oh. The, the mixed messages, the PR nonsense, because baseball is great at it. Really, really, all sports are great at it because they want to put pressures on. You know, they want to put pressure on the cities that are involved and make it look like this is some super coveted product. Like you, you have to have it. You got to put forth the best deal. I uh, I had snitic flashbacks and all oh these things God. when uh, in, in Ron's piece he names uh, one of these executives that are coming over, or maybe it was in the other piece that was in the RJ, but like he's telling Oakland, we're running out of time. I'm off to jet set around the country to find all these better deals. You better step to the plate. And it just, like you said, it just feels so, it, like, you better give us, a professional team, millions of dollars for infrastructure or else you're going to lose us. Like, it just, I'm off. Ugh. I'm off to do research on uh, bolting from a, a top 10, you know, regional right. market area to go to market 25 or lower. Right. That sounds like a great idea. Why don't you go do that? Don't let the door hit you on the way out, buddy. And I, I don't, I don't know if it's going to work. Yeah, I still believe. I, I think the NFL should do this, but a lot more. Uh, but I certainly know baseball should do it because baseball is pretty healthy and it's making money. You know, in spite of the fact that we we mock on it, baseball should be able to float loans to build stadiums. Of course. And this is an important enough market, and it's a it's a good organization too. The A's actually are a pretty good organization in terms of product on the field. They are competitive. Wouldn't it be great to have the A's, you know, get a loan from baseball? They can afford it. Here's five hundred million dollar loan. You pay it back over whatever, 50 years, 20 years. Here's 500 mil. That should give you more than enough to get started with a real stadium project. You do what you want. Maybe get some private investment as well. And then you stay in a great market. And then they can – now, I don't know if Billy Bean would be interested. Billy Bean might be like, oh, wait, we have a lot of money now? i got to build like – to build it like the way everyone else does? Uh, I'm out. You know, I quit. Because remember, Billy Bean actually had a chance to work for the Red Sox and then wound up backing out at the last minute. Um, I joke there. I think he'd be, he'd be interested. But imagine the A's in that market, in a nice stadium, with a payroll. Yeah. And the ability to keep some of their players. That's good for baseball. Of course it is. Classic franchise being able to succeed where they, like, originally were. Like, of course. Kicking the tires to go to Indianapolis? <laughs> Would they still be the A's? Well, that's the other disaster. Going to the, go, the realignment at that point. Yeah. yeah, I still can't get over, you know, the, the, the oddity of the AL having the Astros is just weird to me. Right. And then who else is attractive? I, I mean, I, I think Portland could be interesting. I think I, I, I think most of the places they're looking at would 
would probably average twenty-two to twenty-five thousand. The ticket prices would be higher, so they'd make more money. But like, you're in a massive market. Why right. would you leave? But we, baseball has what pro sport has any history? The NFL will loan some money, and they did, but not enough. You know, when right. you're building stadiums that are eight hundred million, a billion, freaking three billion, like SoFi. The sport should invest in itself, help the franchises. But baseball, but, but they know that there is some dumbass somewhere in some municipality that's going to be like, hey, you know, eighty percent of the stuff. Oh, you want the whole stadium? Yeah, we'll we'll float these tax bonds and raise these taxes. Here you go. Oh, we get almost nothing back. Yeah, we're good. Oh, and by the we'll way, find, like, we'll find the benefits in ten years. Like in Arizona, you might come after us to try to get us to like clean up oh, a couple of things for a million dollars for a few, you know, tens of millions of dollars on your stadium. That we thought we agreed that you would take care of? So dumb. Yep. And that's all it is. You're like Vancouver's being used in that situation. Henderson was being used a little bit in the Diamondback situation as well. Yep. And it's just, come on, we've said it a million times. It's billionaire welfare. You need our money, really, to be viable? Come on. But someone will do it. I don't know if we will. I hope not. Having said that, if we do, I'll go to a couple of games. I mean, I, I wouldn't. It depends on the plan. It would be cool to have baseball here. But it depends on the plan. So Me I'm not too. against it, but I want I want more information. And I but I certainly don't want Vegas, the area in general, to be involved in this uh, you know this smut, this negotiating smut. Running out of time. We close it out in the grab bag. We'll get you the uh, latest in that uh, playing game tonight, with the Wizards trying to work their way in past the Pacers, and uh, also one of the key guys to stop on the Wild is uh, one of the you know superstar emerging superstar young dudes in this league. The Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 9 o'clock. It's the Law and Sporter podcast with Justin Watkins from Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Cofield and Company presents. Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, dude. Westbrook. And Robin Lopez explosion has pushed the Wiz out to a 15-point lead against the Pacers. Oh, yeah, baby. Robin Lopez, nine points. What? My, uh, Westbrook, 14. So, Wizards looking okay, two minutes left and a half. Yeah, want to look at it. I think it was interesting when I was going through some of the research for the write-ups today. You know, this one, I like stats and numbers. How about this one? Three games they played together, right? Washington, 3-0 and against them, 2-1 and against the spread. They had taken 90 shots in three games at the basket. They were shooting 74% on those, the Wizards. Like, they were just destroying them. And here we go again. I haven't been able to look at the box score in terms of that, but I would assume looking at the way they're having success offensively that they're doing it again. What do you need? Total field goals? No, cleaning the glass. It's like a specific oh, box. Glass, I'm sorry, yeah. sorry. Uh, I pay for this stuff, Steve. Come on. Yeah, 15-point lead now. 61-46. Yes, you're, you're talking next-level analytics. I'm like, they're shooting 58%. Does that work? Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, Kaprizov is one of the names to watch tonight for the Wild. He was the guy who actually committed the heinous trip in the final two minutes, but outstanding rookie. 27 goals in 51 games. Check that. 27 goals, totaling 51 points. There were 56 games on the season, but... Uh, Awesome rookie, older rookie, Russian dude. And uh, Marcia was like, eh, we've held him down. Don't jinx it. Okay? He said, I mean, he's their best player. He's everywhere. Honestly, he's the real deal. So, 
And especially after kind of embarrassing, not embarrassing himself, but kind of costing that final rush that the Wild could have made at the end of the game, you could see a big game from the uh, the Russian rookie with the Wild. Stick your hand in there, Feedback Dave. from Twitter. We did in the fat pack. Mention the photo ribs being cooked on the grill with peanut butter and jelly on it. Gross. I thought there could be some sort of culinary sneakiness here. So far, our experts, uh, Naked City Chris, who's cooked all over the place. What does he know? Mark McMillan. What does he know? They both looked. They were like, "Mm, not good. McMillan said, wouldn't feed that to my dog. The poor cattle that lost his life for this. That would suck. Not good. Like, hey, you're going to die to be somebody's meal. They're also going to cover you in peanut butter and jelly and put you on the barbecue. Slather you in peanut butter. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Chris said, I have no words. That bad, huh? I figured there was some some little, little, little secret. Nothing. Not a dang thing. 12 days, in there, 12 days away, 13 days away, from the next big date in the NFL, June 1st. That's when A-Rodj could be traded. That's when the, oh, yeah, the cap yeah. restrictions are lower on a lot of guys. A lot of chatter today that the Falcons are calling people on Julio Jones. Oh, yeah, baby. Which I have no idea where this is. Would suggest to me. That they're looking around, they're like, we have to get someone to take him in a trade. We don't want to just cut him. What do you think is going to happen? Will someone step up where they they can come up with some sort of money deal where they're paying some of it and the Falcons still get dinged but not for the full bore? Yeah, I think so. Somebody would talk themselves into being able to – and look, Julio Jones is still really freaking good. You know, I don't know how many people want to take that big of a hit. I will say one of the teams that was mentioned that has the cap space to do it and has a new quarterback and has a very high ceiling in the AFC South – uh, Indianapolis Colts. I've heard the Colts mentioned. I saw a poll question. Colts not included. Sorry. Where will Julio Jones land? Jets, Raiders, Ravens, Titans. Jets, Raiders, Ravens, Titans. Put up that poll. Clown emoji. Clown N- emoji. NFL rumors. At NFL rums. Clown emoji. It's an aggregator of NFL news, I so I like to. Not, I mean, the, not the strongest on the spelling front. No, it's not. Um. Titans are 38%. Raiders are 50. No, Raiders are – it's uh, Titans ahead of the Ravens, ahead of the Ra- uh, Raiders, and then the Jets are in last place. Who would you vote for, the Raiders? I voted for the Jets. Okay. Yeah, you can only see the results if you vote. So. Positive vibes, yeah. You know I voted for someone. Um, I usually try to vote for the worst option. I, I kind of hope it's the Tennessee Titans so that everybody gets really excited about what that offense could be. But then Mike Rabel still runs it on first and second down to set up like third and long. Still got to pound the rock. <laughs> like, still got to establish the run, even though I got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on the outside. There's Julio Jones with a jump ball. <laughs> right, exactly. Here's A.J. Brown, two-yard throw. Go get the rest, big fella. That's why that was one of my favorite like little memes and jokes. Like when Julio Jones first came out there as like a potential and the Titans were named. It was like, who stops this offense? It was like, Mike Rabel does. <laughs> Stick your hand in there, Dave. You're funny today, man. Angel's been cracking up. You got some good stuff today. Uh, This is terrible. This is terrible. We had uh, Howard Bryant on earlier from ESPN. He was really good. Listen to the podcast, LVSportsNetwork.com, after the show. And I thought I heard him mention something like the mercy rule 
Yes. Stop, man. Major League Baseball mercy rule. Cut it out. No, don't. I'll get irritated. I'm going to get so irritated at this. If anybody has the audacity, okay, to criticize anybody for swinging on a 3-0 pitch up 11, but then will come back in the same breath and go, how dare you disrespect baseball with the mercy rule? That's what you want. I'm not allowed to swing when I'm up that much in a game. That's what you want. Then let's treat this like Pop Warner. Yup, by enough, the game's over. We quit. If not, then I'm swinging at everything. And stop putting a chubby guy out there tossing 45-mile-an-hour softballs at me then. That was good. People are scared at Silver 7s. They're noisy. They're just trying to play the machines, and they're like, why is this guy yelling? (laughs) And why is he yelling at the other guy? He wasn't really yelling at me. I mean, I guess that sets you up to yell at me. About mercy rules. But in my case, I'm not anti, you know, hitting bombs off of 47-mile-an-hour You're swinging at those. Yes. (laughs) Right. And I would be – I don't know how much softball you played, but every once in a while you could get your ass kicked. And I hated the mercy rule. All right, we might – I'm going to need a couple seconds here. We might have a big fight coming. Are they going to make a Wilder-Fury fight? Uh, after arbitration ruling, halted negotiations, it looks like Wilder and Tyson Fury verbally agree to fight again July 24th in Las Vegas. Okay, I'm going to wait. That would be a monster event, and I would love to see it in the stadium. You know, if you could get 40,000 in there, that would be tremendous. But, dude, wait till it it's going to happen. These are scary propositions with boxing.